as we start to look at different target audiences uh, and people that we're trying to reach, uh, obviously that audience is getting younger and younger. And we're not only now dealing with millennials, but now the gen, the early Gen Zs are coming into the marketplace and there are very different breed of individual to deal with than previous generations or groups, partly because they're truly the first group of people that have grown up entirely digital. They really don't know anything before that. So my guest today, Emmanuel Rose, is a marketer who specializes in looking at that group, the Gen Zs, the later millennials, and how you market to them, the kind of approaches you need to have. And, and obviously we get into topics around uh, AI as well, because that is uh, a very useful digital tool to help us with our marketing. And Emmanuel was sharing that when you're using AI, we need to be thinking about the threats, the obligations, and the opportunities. So we have an interesting conversation around marketing and, and dealing with Gen Zs, both from a customer or prospective customer point of view, but then also as employees as well, or potential employees. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. My name is Paul Kopkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are. Because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Now, back to the show. Okay, Emmanuel, thank you for joining us. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation around authenticity, because I think particularly, you know, we were just saying before we started, you know, the big thing at the moment is, of course, AI, and AI almost takes away that whole, or potentially takes away that whole subject of authenticity and, and kind of makes us all sound the same. So perhaps uh, give us a little kind of, flavor for kind of your approach and what this authenticity piece means. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. The part about business that remains unchanged through six or 10,000 years of history is it's a human to human transaction. And, and we know from the sales books that we do business with people we know, like, and trust, right? That's a common phrase. And yeah. It's important, it's essential, it's necessary that as business professionals that we cultivate some of the story around who we are as people. And Generation Z requires that to stand out in AI, obviously, is the same thing, where it's showing bits and pieces of myself as a human being, as well as the person capable of completing whatever the transaction is. Right. Do you find people are reluctant to do that, to show that personal side of things. Well, it's funny. I, I'm a marketer. I see it as age banded, right? Guys yeah. like you and me who grew up in a different business environment, you know, we were trained to go and do the transaction and maybe you would have a dinner or a lunch with somebody, keep a professional, and then everybody went back to their separate corners and did whatever they did, right? Right. Yep. So I think the the millennials, you know, the kids that are in that, uh, people that are in there at like 45 to 25, they're the ones who started to, to blur the line and were happy to blur the line and required it to be more full-natured about 
business and blurring that. And I think social media contributed to that, mm -hmm. right? Because originally we were all just connected on LinkedIn and then we're, oh, now I'm following you on Instagram and at Facebook or Twitter. And so the reluctance, I still feel it. I still have a hard time with, you know, what do I publish? What do I want people to know? What don't I want people to know about me? And where, you know, the younger generations don't, I don't think have those considerations in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I had a conversation with a client just the other day and we'd, the, we did a series of four posts and the third post was personal. Yeah. And, and it was a, a picture of them in a, actually swimming in a lake. And, you know, the post still talked about like choppy waters, you know, that kind of thing, but it made a personal reference and everything. And he was very reluctant. Um, yeah. And yet that, the, yeah, that post had the highest engagement of, of course. the post. <laughs> so I, I guess that's what you're saying is it's okay because the chances are it goes back to that no like trust and maybe it's the no like piece. Yeah. If you see more of that personal side of things, you're much more likely to feel comfortable trusting them because of it. Is that? Yeah. And I think, you know, there's obviously there's gray areas and fine lines in that. I mean, I'm a, a bird hunter. I'm a hunter and a fisherman. Right. And so that requires that I own guns and that I use guns, you know. And so there's, a, you know, there's the, the gray area about how I phrase what I'm doing in, in a way that lets people know that I'm outside and enjoying nature but I'm not putting dead animal pictures up and, you know, and things where I could offend people. Some people are going to be offended because I'm a hunter anyway, and that's fine. Right. I, I accept that. Right. So there, it's a funny little nuanced thing where there's not just a right answer and how to do it, right. I think. And, and you mentioned LinkedIn and I'd agree with you, you know, uh, when we all started on LinkedIn, it was very, I mean, you, you used to see people saying in the comments, you know, not doesn't belong on LinkedIn, you know, exactly. that's, are you seeing that kind of dissipate now and, and posting personal on somewhere like LinkedIn is perfectly acceptable? Yeah. I mean, I'm astounded by the kind of flattening of, or the, the walls coming down, you know, of all the different services and how, you know, something, you know, that goes well on Pinterest can now go well on LinkedIn to some extent. And I know, I remember that too, where it's like, you know, we don't need to hear your personal story about how you're you're battling cancer or whatever the thing was that seemed inappropriate at the outset of it. Uh, I still think your food pictures are inappropriate on any platform, though. <laughs> ah, that's funny. <laughs> okay. Um, now, you, you, you talk about the millennials and Gen Z, and then maybe for the audience... I think you said millennials 25 to 45. So where Roughly, does Gen yeah. where does Gen Z fall in? And then what are the particular things that you're seeing Gen Z do that are even perhaps even more towards that? Yeah, the let's see. So Gen Z is around eleven or twelve to twenty-five, twenty-six in that area. And the these are the first true digital natives. And they're just coming to age where they're you know, getting done with college, buying, buying real estate, buying cars, getting, you know, insurance for the first time. And they're interesting psychographics in that they're, they were a little bit slow to develop, um, partly because of parenting styles and partly because of COVID. And mm -hmm. so, you know, they're, they can be three, four five years behind what we've seen with other generations in terms of the way they approach being in the world, for instance, 
you know, getting a job, moving out of mom and dad's house, getting an apartment, buying a house, being able to navigate the world on their own. Right. That, yeah, that's interesting. You said, I mean, buying a house, you know, anybody under the age of 25 is probably looking at the housing market and saying, well, when am I ever going to be able to? And yeah. I was, I was reading just literally this morning, I think it's, if I read right, three or 6% of Canadians up here are now co-purchasing homes without their significant other or partner. Or So mm -hmm. people are actually yeah. now saying, well, the only way I'm going to own property is get two or three friends together and the three or four of us hack, hack it together and, Interesting. and, and build equity so that that's, yeah. I think that's going to be an interesting <laughs> de development and see. Now you mentioned parenting styles. Am I guessing that parents were, is it the, really, I came 12th, but I still get a medal kind of thing. Is that, is that what you're it, saying? It, it, you know, that's part of it. Yeah. I think there's that blend of, we always want our children to have it better than we did, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we want to protect them from the evils and ills of the world. But then there becomes that, you know, what they call the helicopter or the tiger mom or whatever uh, phrase you want to talk about it, where the parents are, are kind of interfering with the child's ability to get life lessons. Right. And that's why I love nature so much, because nature's agnostic to who you are, how old you are, what social strata you're part of, right? Like right. that's the hard realities operations out there in the bush. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, so for the people listening, if they're going to be market, and I would imagine a lot of real estate investors are thinking if they're looking for investors or they're looking for, for people to be interested in real estate, it, it is going to be the millennials and Gen Z more yeah. likely. So what are the things that investors need to be thinking about when they're marketing to those groups in particular and, and what are the kind of messaging that resonates and what are the kind of things that are going to turn we're just going to take a quick break from the show are you tired of the hassle of managing your own short-term vacation rental property look no further than travelux your full service hands-off vacation rental management solution at travelux we take care of everything so you can sit back, relax, and watch your investment thrive. Our team of experts handles everything from guest communications, listing optimization, to cleaning, maintenance, and more, ensuring your property is always in top-notch condition and attracting new bookings. Travelux has made owning our vacation rental a stress-free experience, especially since we live out of country and only visit the property a few times each year. Join our satisfied homeowners and investors who trust Travelux to maximize their rental income and provide them peace of mind. Travelux currently operates in numerous cities throughout Ontario, Alberta, Nova Scotia, and British Columbia, managing over 55 premium and luxury properties. Get started today with a free potential revenue report to see how your property may perform as a vacation rental. To claim this free offer, visit Travelux.ca. That's T-R-A-V-E-L-L-U-X-E dot C-A. Or call 289-273-3822. Travelux, your partner in stress-free vacation rental management. And now, back to the episode. The first thing, and it seems kind of obvious, but is that everything has to be digital first. So you're building out your website, your YouTube channel, your other social media networks. And 
giving content in a variety of, of forms so that they can consume it how they want to. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is really is that you've got to build out this kind of Elon Musk or Richard Branson personality openness where you're going to show kind of how some of the sausage is made and and put it in bite-sized TikTok bits. <laughs> so, you know, those two, and I think, you know, Kylie Jenner is the other one that I think is a great example of what the social CEO or the social business manager should look like in, in terms of just the absolute transparency into her life. That's one extreme. That's a 12 to me on the scale. But this digital first, this social CEO, and then giving people the ability, easy ability to self-educate about your product or service. And you mentioned social CEO. I know that's one of the uh, themes of one of the books you've written. Tell us a little bit more about what that means. What it means is that the social CEO is the biggest and loudest brand advocate or influencer for the brand. Mm -hmm. And that they're in that role. They're not just running the business, but they're also the influencer for the brand. So that demands video. I like to, I recommend 90 seconds of video on Monday morning, first thing out the door um, and talk about a success story or problem or employee of the week or month, new, even new products. That's fine. But that there's that 90 seconds of video on the iPhone and email that to the marketing department. And then that obligation is, is kind of checked off the box because you're able to take that 90 seconds of video and, and turn that into 30, 40, 50 pieces of content that's appropriate for all the platforms. So yeah, those people, you know, we're familiar with it now that Elon Musk and Richard Branson and, and Kylie Jenner are, are the examples of that we need to follow because they're leading that charge. Right. And what happens if the CEO or the owner is not the social, you know, they'd, you know, they'd rather... And what is it? Jerry Seinfeld was, if you'd rather be in the box than deliver the eulogy, then <laughs> don't do public speaking, I think was his, uh, if some, I'm, I'm catchphrasing him, but yeah. So what happens if that CEO or that, that owner is not somebody that's comfortable on video, is not somebody that wants to put their face to the company? Uh, no. How do you identify somebody within the organization? Or do you, is that, or do you force yeah. the CEO? I think, well, obviously we're not going to force them. What I think it's, I, I totally understand. And it's funny because I, I was working with my business coach and, you know, I've got these books and I'm trying to do events. And he's like, you know, out of all this marketing material you put together, there's something missing and it's called your face. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that's true, huh? So I totally get it that, you know, there's some reticence to to be the focus, but I, it's too bad that, you know, if it's not going to be you and it should be as the owner or the CEO, that's how you are going to be competitive in the next five years. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're lagging and you're hurting your business. So right. yeah, it could be, it can be your CMO or it could be somebody who's a, a key staff, but we're, this group of end users is not looking for paid shills, right? They want to connect with the people who are part of the business and making decisions and understand that they can believe, they believe similar things with the person they're buying from. Right. And when you beyond, you know, the video thing, what are the other things that somebody needs to be thinking about as they're presenting their brand and particularly to that, that same Gen Z millennial group? Yeah. 
looking at how how you impact your community and in what community groups you're supporting because as small business owners we all do and sometimes we forget about how much we do how much we're you know giving people time off to go and work on something that they want to work on in the community Mm. or or writing checks or sponsoring golf tournaments so community involvement is important also, the, the Zs are the most ethnically diverse group of people in the United States. Almost half of them are of mixed race. So that, that's important to them, too. They want to see people in the company and in promotion that, is, that reflects that, uh, the, you know, that, that mixed race nature. Right. Yeah, I, I guess that makes total sense. So, so from authenticity, let's go back to AI for a second. What are the dangers do you see of relying, because I think everybody's jumping, jumping in, but they're maybe not understanding it or they're potentially damaging their brand because they're not adding that authentic piece. What are the things that you're suggesting around? Yeah, I, I, I love the tools. I mean, I've reviewed hundreds of tools now and, you know, it's amazing how quickly we can get a lot of things done that were challenging and time consuming before. So that's the premise is that this, these are great marketing tools. Uh, like every tool, you have to accept that there's threats, opportunities, and obligations with them. The obligation is to make sure that there's two or three humans reading through whatever is generated by the AI, just to ensure that it is on brand, is on even on topic. You can get some very strange pieces of content from sometimes from that generative AI. And I think the customization is the most critical part that you know, we're going to see this avalanche. We're already seeing an avalanche of content and outreach happening by email, you know, seeing stuff that you can tell anything that I is obviously shoddy work. I, you know, I delete, and I think most people are all going to overlook it. So it's critical to continue to humanize it. I can't say that enough. And so you've got to either have a very robust database of people and their interests and how you know them and reference the, that database in your outreach, or you got to go through and, and do it yourself by human touch. Right. And what tools are you seeing being particularly useful for that aspect? Or you said you've reviewed hundreds. I mean, yeah. I, I think everybody could say chat GPT, but I'm sure that there's others that are producing. Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's one copy. There's obviously Claude and Bard are similar to chat. And then uh, I still am using Grammarly and I use, I have to, I'd have to look it up. Right. I, have, I have the, I have my workflow, I guess right. is the best way to say it. And I, I do have a list. I could send that to you, Paul, if you want that. Right. Okay. With, you know, things like, you know, Google developing their own. I've seen it mentioned in several articles and headlines is that Google is going to get smart about figuring out what is AI produced content and what isn't and penalize it from a SEO marketing standpoint. Do you see that happening? Is that a realistic? I've, 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 read, I've read articles that say both things. So okay. uh, I, I don't know in this case what the truth is. My my policy right now is that we're going to produce it by, by human-made writing, or at the very least, we're going to run it through in, on Grammarly or something like that, where you can check for plagiarism and... And then you can humanize it by AI also. So you can have a, an AI checker and then you can humanize it by AI. So, and, but you always have to have the human as the last editor. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
I could see that that would make total sense. Yeah. And in terms of like online sales versus in-person sales, what are the differences? I mean, you mentioned obviously Gen Z is a very digital, yeah. digital target market or audience. What about when you're dealing with somebody in Gen Z face-to-face, if you ever get to meet them face-to-face, I guess <laughs> would be the, is probably yeah. what I'm suddenly thinking. I know it's, it's the experiences is what they are looking for. And so if you're looking to do, you know, some kind of a, a real estate deal, then you want to have it be a house party <laughs> and a, a pitch session, right? Or you want to have it be slacklining and, you know, goat yoga and a pitch session. So what we used to call going out and doing stuff, call it an experience. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. And I think post COVID, that's probably going to be even more attractive to people, isn't it? Because they've missed that that piece. You said Gen Z has kind of grown up during COVID. So they had that shut off of social for two years, effectively. Yeah. And, you know, they're the kids that could uh, sit on Skype together and be remote. That was what they considered social or that they're going to, you know, the, all the famous photos of, you know, six people sitting on a bench outside a restaurant and they're all texting other people <laughs> looking at their phones. So they're encouraging to experience the physical dimension. And of course, they enjoy those things too. So, but it, it's event marketing is one of the critical parts of this for disease. Right. And where do you see things going next? What are the things that you're I, I would imagine that you're doing a lot of research all the time because you're producing these books that are kind of very forward thinking or very latest topic. So where do you see things 12 months, 36 months? <laughs> well, I, I know we can't predict because we never yeah. nobody knew COVID was coming, but yeah, you know, I, it's more of the same. I think we're going to, we're seeing more dependence on, on mobile and, and remote. Right. Like we were talking about, I can work from anywhere in the world now with Starlink. So that that makes reaching people even more critical by mobile and retargeting and advertising to their social feeds. I I can't imagine that it's going to be less important to have have a real voice. Right. And to have a way to cut through the this massive amount of content that's coming out. Um so that's the biggest thing is that there's we've had an avalanche of content for the last couple of decades, and it's going to grow exponentially with, with AI and with, with people that are the lazy marketers. So in that way, we have a real advantage in that the more we can stratify and, and target and, and speak to the values in the background of our prospects, the more successful we're going to be. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, and I do want to circle back to that because you just mentioned it again, is knowing your audience and how much of a picture you can build up about people. Any suggestions or strategies or tactics around that? Because that, that, that goes back to, I don't know if you know, but Harvey McKay, dig your well before you're thirsty, mm. I think was the book. Nice. Yeah. He, he was a sales, you know, sales coach, but yep. he, he was huge on building index card databases of all his prospects, you know, and anything they would mention, you know, he'd be back in his car and he'd be jotting down, you know, wife's name is this, kids' names are this, birthday, kids' birthday is this. Day. You know, he would just build these databases and then, you know, obviously 
as those things came up, those particular dates or particular events came up, he'd be there with a card or a gift or, and then that, that just grew his business exponentially. And what we're saying, what you're saying is we should be doing the same thing digitally now that and building pictures of people, which probably is a little bit easier because of social media and things like that, but it's still a, a task. Yeah, but you have tools like, for instance, the Apollo.io that is the LinkedIn add-on. You can pull a lot of data about the company and the person just from Apollo and then CRM it, right? But I, yeah, I agree. That's awesome. He's keeping track of those things. You know, I think of it in terms of prospecting that then you look at your top tier clients, your top, top 80% income clients and build those pro profiles out that you as much as you can and then use that to replicate your prospective clients from but i love the gifting i think that on persons events personalized gifting mm -hmm. so that it, it matches the things they're interested in versus the branded advertising gifting yeah i had a guest on a while back and he specializes in you know very personalized gifts yeah and he nice. said the worst thing you can send is, you know, if you're a real estate agent is sending a cutting board, but with your logo <laughs> smashed all over the bottom of it, you know, yeah. it just said, it just says the wrong thing. And you'll probably get more, he was saying, you'd probably get more benefit from not having your logo on there at all, but presenting something that's really something they want to show off every time, because then people tell you where they got it from half yeah. the time. It uh, creates an emotional response, right? Yeah. Right. Right. And a question occurred to me about uh, the Gen Zs, and you said about uh, remoteness. As an employer, what are the kind of things, do you have any suggestions for employers? Because again, I know the US is facing similar challenges in, as in Canada, as it's been hard to hire. Yep. But if you're trying to attract a Gen Z, you know, we're kind of seeing some companies trying to force people back to five days a week in the office. I, I can't see it working, but personally yeah if you've let them have it once you're not it's gonna be hard to push people back but where do you what can you see an employer doing to well i think the hr side is probably the toughest part of the whole demographic shift a is that there's not enough humans to fill the roles so that's the the massive demographic shift that's happening so this is the new normal and the challenge of that and two psychographically with disease is that they do want to work and they do want to make money, but they also want their lifestyle like the millennials. And, you know, it's a challenge. And I think being flexible and is the, going to be the employer's biggest challenge because, you know, I've, I've heard stories where they're like, you know, they're bringing in these new hires, job one, and they're like, I only want to work four hours a day. I only want to work Monday through Thursday. And by the way, I need, you know, $10,000 more than what the salary says, you know. So there's a little bit of, I don't want to, I mean, it is a little bit of entitlement and a little bit of immaturity in terms of what they expect and demand, but it it's the world's their oyster in that respect and that we need humans to fill the chair. So it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting even to see, you know, what would typically be minimum wage jobs or close to that now that, you know, the benefits are starting to really ramp up. You see companies, you know, more maybe forward thinking companies like Starbucks, where their benefits packages, even for part-time workers is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. I think part of that too, is they're trying to stave off unionization. 
Right. And so if they can, you know, but yeah. And then that adds to the, the inflation, right. And how expensive everything is. So it's this, that we're definitely on that treadmill at this point with costs. Right. So a couple of questions, Emmanuel, that I'd like to ask guests before we kind of wrap up and let people know where they can, where they can find you. Who is a favorite personal brand, an individual and, and why? See, so I love I love Elon Musk, but that's too easy. I love Jay Abraham, who's a, a marketing guru. You know, he's created billions of dollars worth of sales and all in this kind of very, very professional but simplistic processes. And and he was somebody early on who I, I studied and he was always referencing also the people who preceded him. So he would talk about Claude Hopkins and these direct sales guys. So you could see that he had some humility about when it when is a proper time to be humble. And he could also be self-aggrandizing when it came to his results. So I appreciate him. Yeah. There's there's one other one that strikes me that kind of from that almost you mostly want to say you don't want to say bygone era, but I mean it's kind <laughs> of it feels like that. Dan Kennedy, the direct uh-huh. oh, yeah. sales guy. I mean he's still relevant now. And a lot of what he talked about is kind of coming full circle and kind of people are re- re-engaging in direct marketing or actually packaging. You, you were saying earlier about packaging things in a way that somebody wants to consume. And, and I've noticed I'm in a group and the guys that run the group are actually big Dan Kennedy kind of students and fans. And they do, he, he was always big on written, printed newsletters. Right. And you're starting to see companies going back and doing that because it's so unusual to get mail now. You kind of almost, you want to see what it is. Yeah. Quite clever. So uh, what about uh, a favorite business book or podcast? Wow. Yeah, that's a tough one. The favorite business book. No, I love Joe Rogan. I think Rogan's interesting in terms of a podcast in that how much of a market maker he is. And, and a brand builder, right? When he only chooses people he wants to sit down and talk to and and he's got amazing reach. Yeah. I think 11 million, is it? I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quite incredible. Yeah. Okay. And then we'd already talked about a number or you'd mentioned a number of AI tools, but is there one newer tool that you're really enjoying or resource that you're really enjoying using at the moment? There's a, a copywriting called One Copy AI, I think, that I've been using. And it has uh, s- some sequencing in there for you. Mm. And a- AIRPM is another one. I think that's a, it's a chat plugin that's got some, some built-in prompting. Mm. Okay. And do you have a quote that either motivates or inspires you? Well, the quote I'm living by right now is, uh, is invoked or not invoked, God is present. Excellent. Who said that? Uh, it was a Carl Jung quote. I don't know okay. if he got it somewhere else, but he had it in Latin. I, I My Latin's too rusty. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Now you're taking me back. That's bringing me out in cold sweats. That's, uh, that was school back in. Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> where can people find out more about your manual? You, I mentioned you got a series of books, but uh, where's the best place for people to reach out? Just on my website, emmanuelrose.com. Or on LinkedIn to search for Emmanuel Rose. I'd love to connect with folks. Okay, wonderful. We'll make sure that is in the show notes. And thank you for sharing your insights today. And have yourself a fantastic day. 
Okay. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Paul. Thanks. Well, was that fantastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.